I don't like wine. Well, let me just redefine that a little bit for you. I know I actually have two world-famous winemakers in my family. The first is my sister Geraldine. I think her picture's going to come up there. There she is, looking glamorous. Um, She is the senior winemaker of Rare Hair Winery on the Mornington Peninsula. She has won the overall wine of the International Wine Show in London three years in a row, is frequently endorsed by the Melbourne Age and the Australian Financial Review and has a five-star rating in the James Halliday Australian Wine Companion. The second is my brother-in-law, married to my younger sister, not Geraldine, who works alongside Geraldine currently, but also has his own wine label, Mammoth Wines, which is this one. Um, His his wine was served at the wedding of Princess Mary of Denmark. Apparently, they make extremely good wine, but I don't like them. I mean, I like my sister and my brother-in-law, but I don't like their wine. (laughs) So Michael was determined to find me a wine I would like when I stayed with them once. And he did find a wine that I liked enough to have a very, very small glass and he could only afford to buy half a bottle of that wine. So in general, I don't like wine unless it costs more than $300 for half a bottle, and then it's okay. Jesus, like Geraldine and Michael, was an extremely good winemaker. In fact, I'm going to assume that he was far better than them. And we see this in his first recorded miracle where John Inshore, John... Um, where he ensures that the wedding finishes with a bang. And I'm reading from John chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. It says, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother were there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each of them holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And when the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been had. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realise where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings the choice wine out first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you save the best till now. You know, there's so much to draw from from this miracle on so many levels, whether it's personally or as a reflection of who Jesus is and what he came to do. But tonight I want to look at five very simple truths from the perspective of the cause of our King. So here's the first one, and none of this is rocket science, okay? (laughs) But I really believe that God just wants to speak something to us. The first one is this, don't ignore the need. How did Mary know they'd run out of wine? The Bible doesn't say But my guess is, like so many mums I know, she was pretty quick to pick up on a problem through observing the servants. Maybe she simply asked for a glass of wine and was told that they had run out. However she became aware, she didn't ignore the problem. She wanted to find a solution 
it mattered to her. And I honestly don't know how it's possible to sit in this church or just live life, hearing of the great needs around the world and simply shrug it off. However, not my problem. Jesus actively involved himself in both the big and small concerns of humanity. We look at Matthew chapter 15. Then Jesus called for his disciples to come to him and said, I feel deep concern for these people. They've already been with me three days. They don't have anything to eat and I don't want to send them away hungry. If they do, they will become too weak on their way home. He cared about people, right? We look at Matthew chapter 14. Verse 14, he goes, he went ashore and this is Jesus wanting to get away to be by himself, away with his disciples. He gets ashore and he sees a large crowd and felt profound compassion for them and healed their sick. He just didn't ignore problems. And for those of us who belong to Jesus, it's completely unlike Jesus for us to live with a not my problem heart attitude. And this verse, 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 from the message, it just pierces me every time. It says, this is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his love for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just be out for ourselves. If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears and you made it disappear. Ha. (laughs) Ha. Right? So what was a problem for the bride and groom Mary took on for herself? Because they clearly mattered to her. And therein lies the key. Mary's heart responded. Love motivated her. So if we've experienced Christ's love for ourselves, then responding out of love should just become natural to us. We certainly can't engage with all the world's problems. However, we can respond to the ones that are close to our lives, to our neighbours, to our work colleagues, to our friends, to our families, to our community. And we can respond to the needs that we've been invited to be part of through our projects around the world. I don't close my eyes to opportunities I'm given to be part of the cause of my king in the earth. I don't cause God's love to disappear, but I live to let people experience the love that I've experienced. I don't ignore the problem. I give and I go. I send beautiful feet with the gospel and I ensure that my feet are beautiful gospel bringing feet and I teach my kids to do the same. The second thing is that, you know, we call on Jesus. I love the NIV translation of how Jesus responds to Mary. Woman, why do you involve me? What a great question. And I love how Andrew, a couple of weeks ago, reminded us uh, to consider whether a call to West Care is the best response if we have the capacity to be the answer to someone's need. If it is simply within our capacity to make a difference financially or practically, then we should just act. Nobody needs an invitation. But there are so many times where a solution is beyond our ability. And Beth really just led us in that tonight. See, I can share the gospel, but I can't transform a heart. I can be geopolitically aware, but I can't change governments or solve great injustice or change the course of war. I can render first aid, but I can't heal a body. All of these things require a power and a wisdom way beyond my mortal capacity. Yeah? So why do you involve me? 
Because Jesus, you're the only answer. But I have the ability to ask. And the authority to bind and loose and the faith to move mountains. Mary had such a close, intimate relationship with Jesus. She knew she could ask. She knew he would act. She knew he had the answer. My hour has not yet come, Jesus said, and yet he moved at her request. You know, maybe she gave him the mum look. (laughs) Maybe there was more conversation than is recorded by John between them. But regardless of why, God moved in response to her calling on him. And I think about Abraham talking with God and interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. God heard him and was willing to change his plans if Abraham was right about there being any righteous person living within the city. I think about Hezekiah laying the letter of Sennacherib before the Lord and then the Assyrian army being defeated. I think about Nehemiah weeping and fasting before asking the king's blessing to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And then not only being released to return, but the king providing finance, material and safe passage for the cause. I think about Esther fasting and seeking God before courageously and wisely seeking justice for her people. And in the middle of the night, a apparently random record checks, opening the breakthrough that she needed. I think about the church gathered to pray for Peter before he is miraculously saved. Prayer and fasting connect us with the power of heaven's army. They transcend time, place, borders, human will and the laws of nature. So why wouldn't we involve him? Jesus said we should pray like this. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when the need is beyond my capacity, I don't despair. I don't put stuff out on social media. (laughs) I involve him. It's that simple. The third one is act with servant-hearted obedience. If you want to know God's summary of every theological degree ministry leadership course, discipleship training opportunity or answer to purpose and calling or how to see the Great Commission fulfilled in our lifetime, Mary gives it to us in one sentence. Do whatever he tells you. Serve him. Obey him. He gave us one job. Do whatever he tells you. Jesus didn't wave his arm and cause wine to appear on every table. He asked servants to do what they could with what they had. It wasn't spectacular, extremely difficult or requiring of exceptional talent. Although there are occasions where he might ask that of us, right? It just would have taken hard work and teamwork, The jars held between 460 and 680 litres of water. That's a lot of water, people. Imagine, for a second, I have a giant jar. In fact, I have two. I've got a race. I've got two teams. One team has one person. The other team has 20. Who's going to win? Why? Why? Because lots of people were involved right? Teamwork. Teamwork makes all the difference. It's absolutely necessary in the kingdom. 
We all have a part to play, regardless of whether we feel called or we believe we have the gifts and talents required. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 from the Amplified Bible says, Now you collectively, collectively are Christ's body and individually you are members of it, each with his own special purpose and function. Everyone, we're all needed. We're all needed regardless of what we think about ourselves. I heard this week somebody say that we didn't want people come to come feel like they had to come to church just to volunteer. And I'm like, true, not true, right? Because we're a body and we're all meant to contribute and there's something beautiful that happens when we do. Something beautiful in our own lives and something beautiful to the kingdom and something that makes the kingdom advance forward. And that's what we're called to do. He gave us one job, right? Your contribution to the body of Christ, whose purpose is to fulfill the cause of Christ, is needed. You're needed. Your time is needed. Your talent is needed. Your smile is needed. Your faith is needed. Your heart is needed. Your work is needed. And your faith promise is needed. The jars were filled to the brim, not half full, not three quarter full, right to the brim. And our missions project jar should be filled to the brim. Why? Because every servant is bringing water. Every little bit matters. And I talk to our kids and Beck talks to our kids about this all the time. It doesn't matter if your contribution feels small because it's about all of us bringing it. And it's amazing how it adds up. It's absolutely astounding how it adds up. We've got about 300 kids on our database. You know, if they all brought 20 cents a day every day to missions... It'd be about $16,000 in a year. Every drop matters and the jars are meant to be full because the servants did whatever he told them to. And beyond our giving, we're called to actively serve in the body of Christ. Mark chapter 10 verse 45 says, Follow my example. This is Jesus speaking. Even the Son of Man did not come for people to serve him. He came to serve others and to give his life to save many people. So not sure how you can serve or where you can serve? Ask. Try something. Join a serving team. See what happens. Host a connect group. See what happens. Serve in a school. See what happens. There's no lifetime contract. Right? (laughs) You might find that you make friends, discover your life has an impact for the kingdom and you just never knew that it was going to be like that. That's what could happen. Or you might find, that's not for me. That's okay. Try something else. Okay, so let's not forget that hard work is also okay for the cause of Christ. I know, it's not popular to say that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Can I say it again? Hard work is actually okay for the cause of Christ, all right? And sometimes that hard work doesn't work within work hours. Jesus didn't go on trial in work hours. Paul wasn't shipwrecked in work hours, (laughs) right? Sometimes hard work is okay, all right? And that is a joy that we bring. I think about packing Christmas hampers. Where's Andrew? I don't know. 
Packing Christmas hampers doesn't require a science degree, just hard work. But you know what? Think about this. It's ordinary. It's an ordinary task, like filling jars with water is common ground that becomes holy ground, right? And so often, if we're servant-hearted and obedient, that's what happens. A cup of water becomes a miracle of grace and power that we, neither we nor the person we've given it to expected. The fourth thing is don't, don't forget to go. <laughs> when did the water turn to wine? Don't know. Was it as they took the cup? Don't know. Was it the moment that it was poured out? Don't know. Was it when it was tasted? I don't know. But either way, a miracle was revealed. And it was revealed when they went to whom they were sent. It would have been pointless for Jesus to change water to wine if the wine had never reached the master of ceremonies. What if the servants had stopped at the point of obeying when the jars were full? That's it, done my bit. Yeah, we give, but we also go. So who's Jesus sending you to? What is it in your life that is meant for somebody else so they can experience the love of God? Is it your testimony? Is it your friendship? Is it your invitation? Is it your cooking? Is it your time? Is it your ability to teach, sing, listen, dance? I don't know. Fix their computer? I don't know. But what step of faith for others and the cause of your king do you need to take? Remember, it's the servants who go who see miracles that nobody else is aware of. It's true. And the final thing tonight is to believe that the best is yet to come. Revelations chapter 7 verse 9 to 10 says this. After this I looked and there was an enormous crowd. No one could count all the people. They were from every race, tribe, nation and language and they stood in front of the throne and of the Lamb dressed in white robes, holding palm branches in their hands, and they called out in a loud voice, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Is that not just the most beautiful, hoped-filled image? There is so much in our world that is heartbreaking, evil, backwards, upside down and completely absurd and the master of ceremony said everyone brings out the choice wine first and the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink but you save the best till now when everyone is messed up the best comes out in the kingdom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and a number too vast to count will do so before judgment. Jesus told them another story. God's kingdom is like yeast that a woman mixes through a big bowl of flour to make bread. The yeast makes all the dough rise. The kingdom is growing. And we're invited to help mix it through the earth 
to see that incredible image of heaven be fulfilled as we don't ignore the problems, as we call on the one who can change anything, as we serve, as we go, and as we believe the best is yet to come in our homes, in our families, our city, our nation, and the nations of the earth. May we be like the wedding servants and do whatever he tells us. May he do whatever he tells us. Would you stand? And would you open your heart before him? Is there a water of the faith promise that you need to bring? Is there a problem you've closed your heart to, but you know that you're called to change it? Is there, like tonight with Bethany, people you need to pray for? Is there somewhere you need to go? Is there someone you need to share with? Is there somewhere you need to serve? Because you matter. And this cause matters more than anything on earth. And you're called to be part of it. We're all called. He gave us one job. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone everywhere.